Welcome to No Gods, No Master Volumes. I'm Simon, I'm a record producer, and I make pedal demos as Tunnel of Reverb. I'm Guion, I run Holy Island Audio, a one-man effects spell operation from Wales. In this episode, we're joined by Chad from Oats and Molasses. Chad has been developing his pedals for over a decade now, refining the designs by taking them out on the road or into the studio with his band, La Dispute. The pedals themselves have a strong utilitarian look that reflects his uncompromising approach to design. We talk to Chad about his process, the evolution of his pedals, and he gives us a rig rundown of his live pedal board. How did you first get into electronics? Like, where did it all start? Um, I want to say that it sort of started at the library. <laughs> the, so I was, I was actually uh, living in Grand Rapids at the time. Um, I was going to school at Grand Valley State University. Uh, for electrical engineering. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I did have some of that like formal engineering mm-hmm. background, but at that time, like I had zero idea what I wanted to do with it. Um, and I had not really at all made the connection between engineering and music. I don't think like I, I was in the band at that time. I, I joined the uh, Law Dispute in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this like, Roughly between like 2006, 2007, 2008, I think maybe up until 2009, I was, I did uh, three years at, uh, of schooling. But um, yeah, while I was there, I, you know, spent a lot of time going through the public library and back. And that was really sort of my introduction to a lot of like the, the more experimental music aspects of things, both like, both in electronics and just in music in general. Um, and like, oh crap, you know what? I didn't start recording on my phone. Oh no, you're fine. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Um, uh, yeah, that was kind of the start of a lot of things for me, like finding, like I was sort of, again, my introduction to like stuff like experimental you know, composers, like early electronic stuff was kind of like where I was gravitating towards. Um, And I had found some books on like, what's it called? Circuit bending and and, in that. And so like, I want to say the first like musical thing that I did was probably just circuit bending, uh, you know, toys that I found from the thrift Mm -hmm. store, Um, which was like kind of, uh, I mean, it's very crude. It's just like very expensive experimenting with points and touching mm-hmm. wires together and like um you know you don't you don't need an electronics background to do that i think a lot of a lot of what i was doing was just like trying things and seeing what happened which i think has definitely been like i would say the majority of what i do even still is is like uh just trying things and seeing what they sound like um but yeah, so that was kind of when I first started experimenting with musical things. And even that, like, I don't think the those toys never, I never even, like, built them. I never, like, actually put them with switches and had, like, a thing that was, like, this is what I made. It was just, like, mm-hmm. purely just experimental at that point, like, just trying things out. Um, and then eventually, uh, and I want to say this was probably around 2009, was when I kind of built the first... Uh, guitar pedal per se like uh and again that was i i think that was 
probably just would have been on a breadboard. Um, so I remember, so we had, we were recording um, the Here Here demo, mm-hmm. uh, the Here Here 3. Uh, I remember there's like photos from that where I st- I'm playing with that circuit, like through the little PV Decade thing that I have. And that's probably like the first documented case of like me that was before i had ever even like put it in a box but i was still like mm. had started playing through it yeah um like playing through it on a breadboard playing through it on a bread and i remember i was like <laughs> even like s- switching components like during the record recording like wow like shit. trying Look, trying to oh, this was in the studio yeah it was it this was just in uh our drummer brad's basement oh, okay yeah, um yeah so we were we were recording it ourselves but um mm-hmm. That was the first time I think that I used it like in a musical context, in like a recording, uh, recorded context. And then from there, just like, well, I, I guess I eventually built the first one, uh, which, um, so this, this first circuit, which that was the first circuit even that I was experimenting th- with then, uh, I think I had found on generalguitargadgets.com was just kind of like looking for something easy as a first thing to build. And that was the like uh, Jack Orman's mini booster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a JFAT UAMP boost. And yeah, I built that one up. And then like the first one, I don't think like it sounded okay, but I like wasn't really happy with it for like for what I was doing. But then like eventually just sort of, made different iterations and in some ways i've been since that happened in 2009 i've been playing through that circuit ever since like that's just okay. kind of yeah. been my sound and it's it's developed mm-hmm. quite a lot over the time uh over the past you know however many years 14 years uh gone through like dozens of sort of iterations um sort of small changes mostly very small changes actually but like finding sort of sweet spots and fine-tuning like how that pedal can work for me were you working straight away because you're you're working on turret board at the minute or i mean that's that's those are the guts that i've seen Uh, yeah have you always worked like that have you is that no that was that came a little bit later so the first ones um i was just using like perf board um so still kind of like point to point, I guess, if you want to call it that, but yeah, perf board and, and kind of, and I think, I, I believe I learned, like I, I went through some of the tutorials that uh, they had on like small bear electronics, um, who like very much like walked you through kind of like putting in components and kind of soldering them, you know, yeah, to, together that like all the components are touching and then, you know, you're adding wire to the bottoms and uh, sort of doing it that way so pretty much all the very first pedals were done that way um yeah and then yeah it wasn't until quite a bit later that i started using uh the turret strips okay yeah so actually the first one technically would have been the what was the the panorama um the oam panorama um which i had made that one for uh for will yip as kind of just like a oh, yeah, yeah. commemoration of the recording of that record uh, together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because that was kind of also that was the circuit that we used um, on that record. 
a ton. And, well, really the whole thing um, was a, a Rickenbacker into that boost into a uh, Super Reverb. Nice. Um, and that was like the sound. So, mm. uh, yeah, that was kind of when I switched to doing the turret strips and then like, yeah. Mm. I mean, it looks sick. So that's the, that's the most important yeah. thing in my mind. Did that, did the pano circuit come from that first breadboards design? Like is, is the panorama like an evolution of that circuit? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Ah, okay. 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 And I mean, and you can look at it. If like if I put the schematic out, you'd be like, "Oh, it's just that." Like if the changes are so small and so subtle that, yeah, like it doesn't seem like I did anything, <laughs> and in some ways maybe I didn't. But like some mm. of the some of the changes are just like kind of like weird that happened over time yeah. because of just like so much use. Because you know I was using this on the road i was using it in the studio um like played literally probably over a thousand shows on this thing so like yeah and and through all the different variations and then like different variations like sort of gave me knowledge about where to put different things in the circuit and like there was things that just worked like not none of it works on paper like it's like there's choices that it's like why would you do that that makes no sense but like those were the things that i like i came back to again and again and it just because it just worked Mm -hmm. um so that's just yeah definitely going back to that just like trial or trial and error because there there were definitely times when i was like theoretically this is going to be way better and we try it out in the studio and we're like nope go back to the old one it's like (laughs) yeah I mean, that's kind of the beauty of electronics, especially when you're, you know, with drive or fuzz or the fact that the little changes can have such dramatic effect. Um, there's something kind of like satisfying about that, or at least there is to me. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, and you both must find this where like, you know, you build, you're building these as tools to be used, right? And Chad, like you say, used it for like a thousand shows. So over those a thousand mm. shows, you got to really dial it right in yeah yeah in and find the little uh like evolutions you know it's yeah uh, well and the the other thing that happened is my personal needs changed uh mm -hmm. so the the circuit changed with it um whereas like in the early days i was just playing you know humbucker guitars into an amp or whatever and like that was kind of uh and it worked great for that like it added a nice amount of like harmonics and grit and like just enough drive. And it like, it did that really well. But when I, I started uh, playing a Rickenbacker and Mm. then it was like, well, those are super chimey and also super bassy. And like, it was, it was just not EQ'd right for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It ended up being like too much. It was, it was too sparkly. So that was when I kind of developed the more, uh, uh, adjustable tone knob um but based on values of where it was fixed before so it was kind of using it's always been taking from before and like not making sure to not change what was happening back then and just adjusting so that you are able to like adjust from those points so uh yeah everyone you can kind of like i've made sure to not change so much that you can you can get back to to where it was 
so that it can yeah. still do the thing that it did, which is why it worked in the first place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you don't want to, like, completely evolve into something completely new. <laughs> well, it's really easy. It's really easy yeah. to to add something that's not necessarily, like, that's actually not necessary. Or, I mean, my I, my sort of design philosophy is, like, everything you add, you lose something. Mm-hmm. So, like, you may you may also gain something. Hopefully, you gain something if you're adding it, but but you always lose something. So, like, you know, you might, uh, yeah, like it's easy to be like, well, you, let's just add like a whole nother stage or like an uh, output buffer or something. So, like, you, the tone control can do its own thing, and like that's ends up adding quite a lot, which like on paper might not be that big of a deal, but in practice, like it's it's enough of a difference that you're sort of in a new place now and like uh so for me i've always tried to be really really careful with the changes that i've made and most of the time taking something out was better for me than adding something in mm-hmm. that makes sense does your sort of background in electrical engineering does that come into play at all or is that sort of a completely different world to working on pedals or I don't, I don't know how that would... I guess it depends how intense the education side of it is. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I was in... I mean, it was very broad. Like, when I was in school, I was taking, like, uh, product design and manufacturing classes. Okay. You know, which which isn't a, sen- a sense of what I'm doing now. And I was doing... I was taking, you know... I was taking analog circuits, digital circuits, uh, you know. But then, like, some of the practical applications, like is not all that helpful. Like I remember writing code to like program an elevator or something. It's like, (laughs) I don't know. I never like really vibed with coding was like, but then even like when I was, I do remember taking classes and sitting there and learning about inverting op amps and non-inverting op amps and like all this stuff. And I I truly did not care at all. (laughs) Like I I was in there taking the class and it was because I just had, I had zero application. I hadn't even at that point built a guitar circuit or anything. Um, okay. So it it was like, it didn't really matter to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't the right timing. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, like now I think I could sort of eat that up in a different way. But at that time, um, some of that education, like, yeah, I, I, it sort of came, it took a a long time to sort of come full circle and for me to realize that like, okay, I'm taking little aspects of all the stuff I was doing and learning and now incorporating that into music um, and sort of that, that is what I'm, uh, it's a, it's a more full picture of of what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. But it did give, like, I will say, you know, that was where I learned first learned like how to use Eagle CAD or like, oh, yeah, look at a data sheet and like, you know, so which was the application for that was like c- completely different. I think we were, I remember building like a pulse circuit board to like trigger some kind of like magnetic rail gun thing or something cool. like that. Yeah, yeah. that was, so like, I, I don't know. I, it kind of got planted there, but honestly, it wasn't until actually this year that I 
did my own circuit board on Eagle CAD and had it sent in and made. So like, it was helpful, I will say, but like in some Mm -hmm. ways, uh, and I actually kind of blame this on my like part, uh, lab partner at the time because he was like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, I've done this before and just like kind of, kind of like flew through it. And I'm like, for me, I always like, I had to do stuff by myself and like figure it out, like actually Mm -hmm. figure out how to do it. So in some ways I, I, that always, that was always a, like a barrier to me was like having, it it felt like a big deal to me to like send in a circuit board and get it back. And it's really not, but it's just like the, the hurdle. And now like (laughs) just this year, I mean, like months ago, I'm like finally over that hurdle and it, it's like, it's definitely opened a lot up. Um, it feels pretty exciting. Is that why you you were working with turret board then? Was that because you were avoiding going down the PCB route or are you, are you doing that now to, to make life a bit, I, well, I imagine it'd be easier. I guess it depends how, how easy you find it these days after doing it for a while. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a different thing. It's its own thing. Um, sometimes I think there's things that are easier about the point to point wiring mm-hmm. or, or it's just like, it's, it just feels new. I guess any, anytime you're doing something like new, it, it, there's little things that you figure out, but like, yeah. Um, so I, I was doing the point to point wiring in kind of small batches. I was doing like eight at a time, 10 mm-hmm. at a time, that kind of thing. And I would sort of work at like doing each little bit for each, um, each pedal like at a time. So I would do like put all the pots in, put all the LEDs in, put all mm-hmm. the, you know, do sort of each step um production line sort of thing yeah and mm-hmm. and i did that for a while and um i basically like started getting really bad tendonitis um and this was even so even when i really started getting this was like end of last year sort of beginning of this year um and I was actually really starting to consider if I needed to totally change directions because <laughs> I, I want to say that I w- there was a period of time where I I built them that way for like 12 weeks straight. Uh, and then it took me 12 weeks approximately to like recover from that. So I'm like, it was really yeah. tough. Wow. And then also like we went on tour and like it was affecting me while I was playing. And I'm like, it's really was actually kind of scary and like Mm -hmm. just hard to justify that this is something that's that's worth it even like and like anything i made on it like i paid to go to physical therapy and like it was like it it was just (laughs) a complete wash you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it was like very difficult to like sort of figure out what the next step was going to be and that that was that actually was what sort of pushed me back into learning the pcb design um, because really I had considered the fact that I might not be able to continue building them this way. And then sort of since I came back, like, so even just the last few weeks, um, sort of starting now with this, like the, the newest iteration, the three knob, uh, pano boost, um, I sort of changed a lot of the ways I was doing it. And instead of, uh, building them in batches like that, just started doing them one at a time and just do it from start to finish. Um, and that 
even just doing that like helped tremendously with like not doing repetitive motions for mm-hmm. so long because like yeah. it it was a lot of the repetitive stuff it was a lot of like and i got you know better wire strippers i got like all these tiny things that was like yeah. i as i was starting to feel pain around it it was like then i'm noticing which little steps are the ones that are sort of aggravating it yeah so it's like kind of it was a lot of very, very small refinements in the process of trying to figure out like how this was going to be doable again. Um, And so far so good, but I've, I've realized that really one is my limit uh, per day. Like I cannot do more than one of those a day. So in that way, it's like those will always be somewhat limited. Like I really can't, I I really can't do more than that. And it's like it's somewhat sensitive too. Like I'm if like if I've had too much coffee, I can't do it. If it's like too late in the afternoon mm-hmm. or something, it's like I can't do it. It's like takes the right amount of focus, like at the right time. Mm-hmm. And if all those things aren't lining up, it's like yeah, it's really difficult for me to actually get through it be- because of the sort of intensity of focus that it requires to do those. V- versus like later in the afternoon, you know, I can sit down and work on PCV ones, and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, just takes a, a different, you know, part of your brain or a different kind of, you can zone out a a little bit more and just like, you know, Mm. populate boards or or whatever versus, uh, when every, every single, uh, component in each place is unique. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. So (laughs) yeah, I can do um, it. Uh, We've spoken about that a lot on this podcast, just sort of, you know, making sure that you are giving yourself the appropriate time to be able to do things and rushing stuff out isn't necessarily always the best option. Yeah, um, and it's it's hard to learn that. Uh, I guess it's restraint, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. there's days when you're going to want to be like, cool, I want to sit and build pedals for 12 hours straight or something. And it's like learning that you can't, a person can't do that, you know? <laughs> it's creative. People tend to do it as well. You know, you get that burst mm. of wanting to do stuff and you do yeah don't want to get to the point where you're burning yourself out or injuring yourself i guess exactly yeah and one of the the best things that i've found for this um because i i will tend to like if i start on something i will like sit there and focus on it until it's finished no matter what and like i will forget to eat and i will forget to yeah yeah, get get up and like it's terrible it's terrible on your body and like Mm -hmm. um one of the best things i found is just for me to set a timer. So I just set hour timers um, and I sit down for an hour. And once that timer goes off, I have to get, I turn everything off, turn the whole shop down, Mm -hmm. go up, uh, eat a snack, you know, go to the bathroom, whatever, like go throw some balls to the dog outside. Mm. Just like at least like a little bit of a reset um, Mm. is so, so helpful. Um, Oh yeah. It's got to be done. Yeah. And then like, basically I've been finding, you know, in these mornings, if I can do like two hours and by the, the end of the second hour, I'm actually like playing guitar because I'm testing the pedal. And it it also, it gives me the freedom. I can, I, I play each pedal for probably 20 to 30 minutes of testing just because like, also that that's another aspect of what I do. So it's like the, the lines between you know, what I do as a musician and like what I can do, um, 
with the pedal building, like if I can actually limit myself in what I'm producing, it it feels a lot better as a whole so that I'm not I'm not overdoing it. Yes. I'm not sitting there and just like I have to test 25 pedals like at a time yeah. and it's just like you're just plugging things in and it's it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not creative, right? But you lose all the creativity around it. Becomes a chill. Right. Yeah. Hmm. And it, it's hard for it. It's hard for it not to become that. But like, I guess that's, that's all I can say so far is, is what I've found to work really well is just like actually limiting, limiting my time that I, that I do it because also there's a lot of other things that I want to do with my time and with my day. So if hmm. by the end of those couple hours, if I'm not completely burned out, it's so helpful, like transitioning to doing something else or off, yeah. o- almost every single day as I'm testing pedals, I'm coming up with musical ideas. So that's like other things I can work on, you know? Mm. Um, and that's actually, that's felt really good. It's like been a rhythm that I've not been able to find before. So th- does that influence sort of go two ways? Do, do the pedals ever influence the music and vice versa? Is there interplay between the two? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say with the the Pano, it's sort of, that one maybe works a little more backwards. Like that one was, I mean, that one's always, it's it's had an impact on so much of what I've already done. Um, and sort of the first time that uh, I sort of came up with something that started influencing what I was writing at the moment and like yeah. what I was writing next was kind of when I, started this uh the vb series i guess i can refer to it as um Mm -hmm. which really was like finding that that was just kind of like a newer circuit that i found that like it just was kind of doing something interesting and i i kind of you know i boxed those up and did those as the vb1 originally which was just like it's a very simple uh single stage silicon transistor boost it just does like a thing that I thought was interesting uh, with the, you know, as you roll the bias up, it kind of gets started, kind of gets gated. And like, there's definitely some like strange sort of octavey things going on. Um, And that like, as I started playing with that, that really was like starting to affect sort of the way that I was playing and the way that like, some of the things I was coming up with, I just felt like when I was using those sort of circuits, I was like gravitating towards different things. Mm. Um, I feel like that one, that one to me feels much more like future looking because I think it's sort of still evolving. I still think like it is, it it is its own thing. Like it can be, I don't know. It's very interesting to me to like even send out these like snapshots of like where it is right now, because you had in some ways you're like, you're sending out the initial like ingredient and you're like, this yeah. is, this is what it tastes like. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. you might like this, you know, as a flavor to add to this. And like, mm. in some ways, yeah, it's good to have those flavors. And like other, other times, I think a lot of petals also, it's like you're coming up with a whole recipe. Like you're taking all the flavors and you're adding them into your, like yeah. a, some, some sort of combination which like may be something that, you know, it comes to in the future is like, it may eventually get to a point where I'm like, well, actually, I think I can fix a lot of these values and I can make these, the adjustable ones. And like, we'll sort of, I, I, I'm 
am pretty sure that it will evolve into quite a bit more. Um, but I think what I'm kind of challenging myself to do now is actually like sort of release things in small spurts, at least of like where they are currently, yeah. be- because it's really interesting to get feedback from other people. And in some way it's kind of, then it's developing in real time. Like I can sort of hear how it's working for other people and it can kind of change, you know, the directions I go. And, and that's, you know, it's really exciting to me. It's really fun. And what I think is like really cool about the sort of community that's formed around a lot of this is just that like sort of feedback and uh, yeah, like I feel like it's very common for ideas just to be sort of shared around and like. It's like, uh, you know, you can, I Grant said this before, it's like you sell a pedal to somebody and I know probably a lot of times you won't hear from like every single customer out there. Right. Uh, you know, there are people who will come back to you and be like, oh, hey, I use it for this or I love using it for this or I wish it did this. or, And that kind of like incredibly direct feedback mm. must be, I mean, I'm I'm sure it's annoying to some at some points, <laughs> but like, you know, it must be incredibly helpful as well for development. Like you say, if you're releasing small snapshots of pedals mm-hmm. and evolving them over time, you can't really beat that kind of feedback. It's, it's quite nice to think of it as like, because I always think of, recording music is a snapshot in time because if you mm-hmm. perform those songs afterwards well i mean at least i do it's the riffs slightly develop as i find like ways that i prefer to play them and it's not necessarily if someone comes to see me a year after i've recorded a song uh, i'm not going to play it the same way i recorded it a year ago and I, I think sort of adapting things like that is like a natural sort of organic way of yeah improve well i guess improving it might be subjective well, yeah it, yeah i think it is subjective and like i think sometimes i have the tendency like there are versions of things that i've made and had planned to release but then i already came up with the next version like i'm I'm already like yeah. 10 <laughs> steps ahead and sometimes i i it's already outdated before it even comes out so it just like there's there's so much that we'll never see the light of day mm-hmm. which is maybe yeah. fine but like you know it's you kind of have to choose a little bit of like what what is what is this and when is it ready to be Mm -hmm. sort of shared and like um but yeah i think like in some ways where i'm at right now is like not pushing things too much and just sort of letting them happen like if people really gravitate towards a specific thing and really want to hear that like if i'm able to i'll i'll sort of keep going in that direction if like that make you know if that makes sense for me and if like you know that's something people want but in some ways if i create like a pedal that i think is really cool or whatever and then nobody really cares it's like i i have to just be like well that's maybe this is just for me and that's yeah. okay mm-hmm. uh this this doesn't have to be something i like push on the world to buy like i think we're we're obviously there's so much out there there's so much great stuff out there and like, you know, we had, I, in some ways I'm very conscious of like what I'm adding to that pool because I don't, I don't want to produce just to produce, you know, I basically, the only reason I sell things is so that I can make the next thing. You know, it's not, I don't make a pedal so that I can sell it. Like I make, yeah, yeah. I sell it so that I can make it. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and like, 
you know, every, honestly, probably every penny that I've ever made on pedals, I've just bought on more parts and more <laughs> yeah. pedals and more re like, it's all sort of adding to the pool. But what's fun about it is like every time, like you, you gain more capabilities at like every point. Um, so like, it's just more information. It's more, you know, there, there's things you just learn about a transistor when you order 300 of them. Uh, that, that you don't yeah. learn when you order five of them. And then like, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I wanted to ask you about the, like the aesthetic of your pedals as well and how, sure. how, how that's like, cause obviously there's like a, the same as the circuits are evolving. I feel like your enclosures and your art style is like evolving as well. Cause I feel like when I bought my Pano Boost and uh, the VB1, like, they're very like um stripped back enclosures, just like very minimalist. Yeah. And now like you're exploring like the different enclosure shapes and laser engraving. Like do you wanna tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, so I would say those original ones, you know, with the hand sanded enclosures or just blank or stamped and blanked or just like blank and polished or what like kind of whatever I was doing then was was really a response to me wanting to do a lot more, but re in some ways resigning myself to, I, I realized what was limiting me at getting things out the door was the fact that I didn't know what I was doing with the aesthetics. And I think that was my reaction to like, well, I can, I can do this. And also once I sand it, it's finished. Like, you know, I don't have to like wait for paint to dry, which is my least favorite thing to do. <laughs> like I, I just, I, I've never done well with paint or like, I don't know. They, they, I just, there's so many things that like, it was restricting me from ever getting like anything out. Like I had gotten yeah. like a, a few pedals out the door and I just realized like, well, this is something that I can do you know, I can focus more on the parts that I use, the way that they're built, the function of it, like making them incredibly durable because I've destroyed them all. Like I, I know which parts break. I know yeah. like, yeah, I've, I've broken them all. Like I've ruined every part. <laughs> so like, I know what's going to last, at least for me, like, um, yeah. and yeah. So I think like, that was what I did at that time just so that I could start, you know, getting things out there at all. Um, and really, I think some of the ideas, which even I've had pretty early on, like even some of the first ones I made, um, I think I still have ideas for those that I've never quite realized because of some of those limitations or things I just haven't figured out yet. Um, because they're not exactly it's some of it is not exactly something you can just order from even like a enclosure manufacturer or something, you know, yeah. it's like there's, there's some specific things that I would like to, to try that I just have not been able to do yet. Um, yeah. and I've like, even a couple months ago, I took a powder coating class, uh, oh, cool. just because I was curious mm -hmm. if that was something I wanted to do. And if, because that there's certain things that I just can't, I can't ask other people to do. 
mm-hmm. so like just to do my own experimentation with that sort of like figuring out where uh yeah where it's going to go and I, there, again i've had quite a lot of ideas that i've haven't realized and i've sort of i've definitely kind of come into this path of now you know now i'm doing the laser engraving which i really like um mm-hmm. in some ways i also i think the engraving fits pretty well with that design philosophy of like removal in a weird way of like, yeah, you're not adding anything to it. You're actually just taking something away. And I think that like, and even the panorama got shortened to pano. It's like everything, everything's getting condensed (laughs) to the, the minimal form of, of what makes it what it is. And then trying to do that with like the absolute best quality that, that I can, Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I do think that there's quite a lot in the future that I will probably keep on exploring. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know for sure. I don't know that, I'll, that I'll, cont- that I'll, I'll, it's not like I'm like, oh, now I'm the laser engraved enclosure yeah. person, you know, it, <laughs> I'm not set on that, but yeah, I do like, I like what that gives me. I like some of those options that, 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 that gives, um, and there's still like a, a lot that I can explore even just within that realm. Because were you offering like customization options at some point as well so that customers could, you know, pick pick uh, parts and features, yes. I guess. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, one thing I realized, like when I was doing the small batches, I was sort of basically just picking, I would do them differently. I would do some mm-hmm. brushed, I would do some uh laser engraved i would do some with whatever knob like different knobs and all all those different choices and i would just kind of like build whatever i wanted to mm-hmm. and then i would uh present that to at that time i had like a decently long waiting list um which i had sort of accrued over the last like 7 years maybe of like very slowly uh we i guess this is a this is a backtrack but like uh going back to those early days of i i just had a blog right like that was mm-hmm. my i had like the website and i posted on that and then i had my email on there so people could email me like like whatever and and i wasn't even selling anything at that time it was just like this was sort of a documentation of all the things that i had made mm-hmm. um but i would get emails like maybe once a month or every other month or something like that of people just asking, like, would you ever consider selling pedals? Have you ever done this? Or like, what, yeah. uh, whatever. So like, I basically just kind of kept tabs on all those. I would just like uh, write their emails down. And mm-hmm. um, I, I was admittedly like terrible at getting back to people at that time, <laughs> uh, which I'm, I'm much better now, but. Anyways, yeah. there there was a very long backlog just because of like all those years that had built up. Um yeah. and when I started building these, I I only went to the backlog and surprisingly like almost every single person that I asked uh decided to buy one. So it was like I could just kind of revert back to that email list for a a really long time until really up until recently is kind of it's a new thing for me to sort of know how I'm going to uh, release things in the future. Um, 
so, so I, uh, getting back to where the question, now that I was sort of building them one at a time and sort of, and I, you know, I had all the parts ready to go. Um, I had like all, all the parts for a certain amount of pedals ready. So I could, I could say like, you know, these will be done in one to two weeks. It doesn't actually take me any more time to build them with one part versus the other. So if I had people's orders, especially if they paid for the orders, because the other thing is like having that up front and then, you know, being able to just fulfill that order made it so much easier versus like trying to you know, sell to a select group of people who all had to pick which one they wanted, which mm-hmm. surprisingly there was hardly ever any overlap. Like sometimes I'd switch okay. a knob color out or something, but essentially sometimes it was like an extra week of just communication, <laughs> like <laughs> which is difficult. So like now, yeah. now I can actually use the week that I'm building them for the communication and do all yeah. doing all the, the invoicing and all that that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so that like by the time the the pedals are finished I'm actually just ready to send them out the door so um yeah for the for the the point to point ones uh I'm kind of liking like giving people some options if that's like still something that you know basically if people want to pre-order you can pre-order with whatever you want um and if not like uh you know, I'm going to have to kind of see what's, what's, uh, the best way to release them going forward. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying like getting them into some small shops mm. and stuff versus, you know, trying to figure out, you know, do I have my own store? Do I have a reverb store? Do, yeah. you know, uh, so I'm, I'm very much like in the beginning of, of figuring out, uh, mm. what to do, um, when I actually have things available now. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Which stores are you? Because I've seen occasionally when you've updated that you've got either demo pedals at stores or stock. But where where are you stocking at the moment? Um, so currently, uh, Relic Music in New Jersey, mm-hmm. I think, has one mm-hmm. pano. I had sent them two for their anniversary party. Oh yeah, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and then there's a shop in Royal Oak, Michigan, called Guitar Hi-Fi. Um, that I kind of continually restock. There's a, a third wave music in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, is a small shop that I've stocked pedals at, um, and that's pretty much it currently. But yeah, I would. Uh, I'm sort of definitely exploring doing doing more of that. Like I think I'm actually okay just being in a few shops and yeah. you know being pretty selective about it because obviously mm-hmm. I don't I don't have a lot uh it's not like i have a lot to product of product to just kind of ship around so Mm. and it's nice to have a couple of that especially like relic where Mm. people can go and try it out even to know you know know how it feels because like especially with pano it's very much like a it's a it sounds very like pretentious when you say out loud but it's like a feel you know you feel it when you're playing it yeah like it's definitely worth people going out and trying it if they can to uh yeah, it's hard to describe it. It's right. hard to get across how it feels to play, for me at least. But actually having it and playing it is... So yeah, like having them out there is definitely going to be good like that. Right. And and even like, you know, I don't have... I've You know, I've done a lot of short videos and clips and stuff, but I've I've never really 
come out with a formal video or like, you know, a, a proper demo of especially the panel that would be very difficult. Mm. But, you know, in some ways I think like my entire repertoire is a demo in some ways. It's like, it's very different being yeah. a, being a touring musician and sort of really the, like the benefits of that too, like it's, it's actually overlapped and combined in a pretty interesting way of like, now I go on tour and I meet people like in the pedal community, like, you know, even in yeah, Chicago, yeah. I just met you, Simon. Yeah. Um, and it, it's been really cool um, just to have like an extra dimension of things. Um, you know, we, we were just in Australia and I met a bunch of people there and I went to a bunch of great music shops and stuff. And, you know. Oh, and you met Mick, right? Mick's Wooden Wire. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I played one of Mick's guitars. Uh, Mick got a pano. Um yeah, it's great. It's like, it's, it's definitely like, I, I realize the advantage that I'm at being like a touring musician and like having the connections that I have versus like, you know, if, if you're kind of like building pedals in your basement and you don't, which I mean, I'm also building pedals in my basement, but like, <laughs> if you didn't have some of those connections, it, I think it would be really difficult to get a, a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, you know, I feel very lucky that a lot of, honestly, a lot of the, the pedals that I, that I sell go to people we tour with and stuff. And like, uh, you know, cause they hear it every night and like, yeah, it's, true, yeah. it's just, you, you there, there's definitely like a level of trust there of like, you, you have your, uh, reputation or whatever. And like, you know, people sort of just have to trust you that, that this mm-hmm. is something that's going to work and sound good and, mm. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a trust thing, I think. And I think it's, um, like you're saying, if people like the sound of those records, then it's highly likely that you'll have an, an ear that's tuned to something that they that would appeal to that person, I guess. that It makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, it mm. is. I mean, it's it's very funny, too, because it, it's all, it is so subject. Like, Simon, you will know this because you're a recording engineer. Mm. So, like, obviously, like, you know, something like a pedal is like one thing in such a like vast chain of things where they all make such a difference. So it's like, well, sure, someone was using this thing, but then like they were also running through a Neve console and like they might might have had the EQ in a certain way or like all this stuff. Yeah. Like it's it's very subjective and it's like it's difficult to like, uh, yeah, just know what what is that thing doing mm, mm. to the whole picture? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't remember where, where I was trying to go with that. But. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's like, you know, you, I've always got this joke. I sometimes have with clients where it's like, yeah, you just need a nice guitar into a nice pedal, into a nice amp, through a nice microphone, through a nice console, <laughs> mixed really well through a nice set of speakers. It's that easy, you know, it's mm. just like <laughs> super easy. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll tell this story which I think is pretty funny uh, because well, the first, my first introduction to you, Simon, was I think seen on Instagram like a demo of King Park. Played. Oh, the Halberd it, one. It was, it was a Halberd <laughs> demo. And I, I heard Got it me. and I was like, I was like, this sounds way better than anything I did. Like, <laughs> like that was my honest reaction. Like I was like, this sounds like so much better than it does or than it did or whatever. Um, 
That's so funny. That was one of the first demos I ever made. Yeah. <laughs> just a clip of the halberd with the big trees out. Yeah, just, just that mm. with a Les Paul. Perfect. That's so funny. On on the, the note of sort of gear for recording and, and such, yeah. uh, what could you give us a little rundown of what you've got on as as your setup currently? Because uh, you use like a fair bit of stuff, your own stuff, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Am I correct in saying that? What, yeah. What, what what setup have you got at the minute? Um, for my live pedal board, um, I am. I guess I can kind of run through the chain if you want me to, um, yeah. and kind of say what's on there. Um, I would start with the tuner. Nice. Uh, which which so- tuner? Sonic Research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. I'm, a, I'm a turbo tuner. That's guy. the best tuner. <laughs> then I go into a, a tremolo pedal, which was like also actually one of the first pedals that I built. Also, mm-hmm. I want to say it's serial like seven or maybe earlier. It's it's like one of the first pedals I built, and it's actually pretty in pretty rough shape right now, but it's still been functional. Um, I yeah. use that as a tremolo and then i actually use it as a boost quite a bit as well if you turn the depth down it's just a uh yeah just the boost no tremolo on it so i use both and i actually use the tremolo with a volume cut quite a bit um Mm -hmm. so that's kind of first and then i run into uh currently i have like the one of the dual boost pedals which is the panorama and vb1 in one enclosure um and the first panorama that i run i run pretty uh the tone knob is down down to like nine o'clock around um so the eq is very flat um and this it's sort of just kind of my always on pedal like that's kind of the the base tone um and then uh the vb1 is after that which i used to use as kind of like a just a an extra like uh like more doomier boost, but um, yeah. I've I'll go back to that. But the, so after, basically, <laughs> basically yeah. what I've been of the ones that I've been using, there's two panoramas in a row, and those get switched uh, pretty much ninety nine percent of the time. I'm running through one or the other or both. Okay. Um, yeah. There's very few instances where those are off, and I'll be running like just a distortion, for example. There's yeah. like maybe a couple parts in like our whole catalog where I do that, but 99% of the time it's running through one of those, one or the other or both of those booths. Um, and then that, then I kind of go into uh, more of the modulation stuff. I have spring reverb and like delay chorus stuff, which was, that's kind of also just, I use as one effect. So I use those like Moog MF delays in the MF chorus. Yeah. Um, they're kind of chained together in a weird way where half of it goes back to the signal and then half of it goes out wet, which I can run to uh, a DI, DI or out to another amp. Yeah. Interesting. Um, mm. And then from there, so yeah, from there I actually have, so I have a, a VB4 which that okay. it's, I probably I probably need to explain the VB series a little more because this really doesn't make sense. But I'll I'll get back to that maybe after. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because people are like VB four. What the, what is that? Doesn't mean anything. Uh, 
<laughs> so the the VB4 is two VB2s in parallel. Um, <laughs> okay. Which just think of each the number of the VB as a stage. So a VB1 mm. is one stage of that circuit. VB2 is two ah, stages okay, of that, yeah, of that yeah. circuit. VB4 is four stages. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Maths. So basic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, I'm running uh, one of one of the one half. So I'll just say a VB2 before mm-hmm. the di- uh, distortion pedal, and then one VB2 after the distortion pedal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that first VB2 is definitely now like sort of the all out button. It's like if I ever just yeah. need like instant chaos, instant feedback. Uh, yeah. any of like the doomier, sludgier kind of parts, that's the go-to because mm-hmm. it's it's very bass heavy. It's very like loose and wobbly and and sludgy. Yeah. Um, and just driving into the distortion pedal, it just like gives it a lot of juice. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll use that one before, and then after the one post the distortion, um, I'll sometimes use that as just like. If something needs to sit on top, just get like yeah, more volume sure. post distortion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, essentially what the the board's been. It truly is like if you want to hear the OAM pedals, come to yeah, yeah. the show and listen. <laughs> <laughs> A show slash pedal demo, like yeah. And also, so much has to do with the combination of them, right? It, because yeah. so mm-hmm. many of them are also you know, single stage pedals or, you know, just a couple stages, it's like a lot of the sound is a is a pano into the V B two, into the distortion. Mm, yeah. Like that's a that that's off like that'll be a, a sound, you know, and then like, you know, turn the V B two off and just have pano and distortion and mm. that's a sound. Because like there's so many dynamics in the band and, and such like obviously at this point there's quite a lot of songs and uh, different ground to cover mm. that like having all those different levels of sort of gain is very helpful like to sort of be able to to sort of uh, pick out different scenarios for each of those songs because um, like early, back in the early days we were using you know like I was using a Mesa single rectifier and like yeah. you know gang cranked you know our other guitarists had a pv5150 and like oh yeah it was yeah <laughs> that that whole thing that's very off the so, time you know for for that yeah. tone if i turn both panels and the distortion on like it's it's there that's it like it's yeah. it's yeah. enough yeah. gain and how did you find because how did you find going back and doing the wildlife tour and like revisiting those tones I mean, I know you were playing some of those songs anyway, but like, how was it going back and kind of refinding the tones for that record, or or bringing um, them bringing them to what you're using now? Yeah, um, I would say it, it was. I mean, because we were like, we've always sort of had a lot of those songs in in a lot of set lists. Obviously, like yeah. those were a, lo- a lot of the ones that we've played. So it wasn't. It didn't feel super foreign um, to go back to those. Um, it's kind of interesting because I had like, so, you know, when we were recording wildlife, there is an older version of the pedal that was, it actually used, uh, different, it used, uh, 54, 57 transistors versus the J201s. Uh, it used a different, um, 
capacitor and the tone control. Um, and like, it, it's just like, it's a subtly different circuit. And like, in some ways, you know, I could go and like to recreate that, should I use that one? But mm-hmm. like, yeah. I've, I've, again, because of all the, the ways of like still wanting to go back, like be able to re- recreate what was in the, in the past. I feel like I still, with the newest iterations that I had was like, it was, it wasn't like I was changing circuits to go back. Mm. I still feel like the current iterations was what I would want to use now to do yeah. what, what I was doing then. Um, and I think the, the biggest tonal differences was, uh, really in the guitar, uh, so that was I used a lot of this Les Paul that had the uh, coil tap switch on it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And that that sort of like extra biting sort of jangly thing was just like very mm-hmm. uh, prominent on that record. Um, and the other thing is I uh, of what I changed going into that tour was I basically turned all my reverbs off and just did completely dry mm-hmm. um, because that's the way that was recorded. And that's yeah. the way it, it, that it sounds. Um, so uh, other than like very specific points, uh, like on the song, a poem, it's like super reverby cause it's on the, on the song has like a lot of spring. So I, I would use it on things like that, but in, in general, just like doing a super dry signal, uh, just really worked for, for that. Mm, I guess it's just super direct. And I mean, your, so your board's essentially working is like one massive modular drive pedal in, in a sense. So <laughs> I guess you can sort of like carve out anything from those those combination of gain stages. So um, yeah, mm, mm, it's a cool way to think about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I really f- like. I feel like I've I've gotten all the flavors that I need right now at least at least gain wise <laughs> between yeah like yeah again it's like tremolo boost boost vb2 distortion vb2 it's like there's yeah. so many combinations there and they all mm-hmm. do pretty different things but like yeah. and you can you can turn them all on too and it'll sound like it won't <laughs> there's there's never a point where it's like this is awful or like this is yeah, yeah too yeah, much yeah. because the distortion is actually set the gain is super low down mm-hmm. and it's like because there's different levels of boost running into it is where all the different levels of gain come from. Yeah. So, you know, on its own, it's actually going to be pretty mild. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the combinations is kind of where uh, I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the sound is uh, for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess it's just pushing those gain stages is against other Mm, it's the interaction isn't it that makes that work uh so what what's coming up next then for for the brand have you, have you got things planned out is it just a case of uh you know keeping on uh keeping up the production levels or where we at those pcbs on the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i'm continuing to build the the three knob pano boosts um, that's like some, like as, as certain as I can feel about a circuit and a pedal and the way it's being built and yeah. every, every aspect of it, I'm just like, I'm totally happy to continue making these. Cause I like, I, I think those are 
really good. I think they're really versatile for like just about everybody could use one, you know, if they need a boost of some sort. Like I think that it's just kind of the most practical pedal yeah. in a in own in a way. Um so I also recently decided to to build a three knob VB1 in the same format. Um so the the VB1 I, I'm explaining in very separate chunks of what the VB1 actually is, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, it basically the VB1 has a volume control and it has a bias control, hence yeah. the, the the V and the B, um, and then the number uh, is how many stages of it. Um, yes. So I'm kind of seeing that there will be there will be different variations of each of those numbers. Um, there will be a VB1, there will be a VB2, there will be a VB3, a 4. Uh, and each will sort of have its own unique thing. Um, the the VB1 that I did previously was just uh, volume and bass. Uh, and the 3-knob the one, I will add in an input, uh, basically like a trim, input yeah. trim. Uh, because that... So basically the the VB block, circuit block, is really based off of the old LPB1 circuit. It's just generally like a silicon transistor, like what yeah. you need to make it work and that's it, right? Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it has like sort of a weird transistor um, that was kind of just chosen out of like, well, really only through experimentation. I had like, like so I used to buy a lot of like, old like auction stuff and like yeah. overstock and old whatever. And I have just like jars and jars and jars of hundreds of these transistors, which mm-hmm. I think I've always been like, someday I'm going to know what you do. It's like, I'm not mm-hmm. ready yet, but like eventually. So basically I was like, okay, this says Silicon NPN. I look up what's a Silicon NPN schematic. And it's like, well, that's the LPV one. I approximated yeah. it with the vo- with the values that I had, and then I just was testing all these transistors, all a bunch of different ones, um, and basically there was just one that did this thing that I just found like super interesting and super addicting. Um, but it was one transistor out of like hundreds, and it had no markings on it, Perfect. and like it it. <laughs> it took me a very, very long time to figure out what it was. And then even when I found another one that did the same thing that had a part number, like other ones of that part number I ordered didn't do the same thing. So (laughs) it was like a a long time of ordering parts. And like, eventually I, uh, so basically I found one source I have, three or 400 of these transistors uh, when small bear was going out of business a few years back, I yeah. bought them all because mm-hmm. I was like, I might want to do something with this. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, I, if these are the ones that work, so I'm just going to buy them all. And I've never right. been able to find them anywhere else, or at least they don't work the same way. But mm-hmm. anyways, with the, my, my plan going forward for the point to point, pedals is to put those sort of more unique transistors in um and going forward on the pcb pedals um i have like 
basically through like an old, super old data sheet found something that said it was like that was one part matched another part. And I found some transistors that work uh, basically the same way and they they are gain match. So they fit in the correct gain range. Mm -hmm. And um, I test each one of each one of those individually and I like match them gain wise so that um, you can kind of the other thing about the circuit is because it's all copies of it of themselves it can be split uh into stereo so you can run one section through you can run them in series together and you can also like split them um so again a lot of this i have a lot of ideas that have not yet been realized but like mm-hmm. um i'm imagining in the future like a vb8 with like yeah. you know just four Stereo. outputs four yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be eight, awesome, eight yeah. inputs, eight outputs, and like, Probably, yeah, just uh, VBA mixer. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, essentially, there will be more panos. There will be more. There, I think I can. I can. I will say like sequentially of what I know is happening. Panos definitely now. The VB one. I think I'm. I just ordered some more enclosures so that I can. Uh, do the the graphics will be very similar to the pano but it will just be a vb1 same format uh also point to point built with uh with that uh kind of new old stock transistor um the vb2 is the one that i really started doing on printed circuit board yeah um so that's i'm kind of just i'm i've been basically going through a whole bunch of prototypes um of just like small board iterations and like Mm -hmm. i'll i'm just ordering like five ten boards at a time but i'm building them all and so i'm eventually going to have a decent stock of these pedals um and i've kind of i've just started getting these out to you know friends and uh some other people that i uh, that i want to try them um and we'll see how far those go and uh, I may also eventually do like kind of a a bundle sort of deal. If you order a pano, get a you know a deal on the on the VB two yeah. prototypes. Um, because I, again, I just kind of want to get them out there, and I kind of want uh, I'm sort of just like working towards uh, you know being able to order you know even 20 at a time or 40 at a time. That's kind of yeah. like, I'm always kind of working with a small batch and then having, you know, making enough to, to order the next round of parts. Um, well, that's exciting. Great. Mm. There's a lot coming up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah. It, in some ways it's like, you know, who knows uh, what's <laughs> going to come out because yeah, sometimes like, uh, yeah, I'm kind of, it's, it's this kind of, it's this same thing of like knowing when it's done is kind of where I'm at right now with the VB2 where it's like this, this works for me. I know it works for me and I can use it. And like, I'm starting to just now get some like feedback from other people and, and just kind of like trying to figure out like, is this, is this finished? Is it ready? Do yeah. I, you know, and in some ways like it's okay to, for me to just keep doing little bits at a time. Like I, I, I think I used to have 
these sort of like grand visions of like, I'm going to try to sell a hundred pedals or something. And I, I really don't have those ambitions anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's just not, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, again, that's not really what it's about. Uh, really I'm trying to like complete an idea. Um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's going to take more things to complete that idea. Um, and sometimes it might just be a couple of things. So I still, you know, I will likely, you know, even the, the, in the future when I make the, the crazy VB8, yeah. like if there's like one other person out there in the world who would buy that, it's like, that would, that'd be great. Like I can, <laughs> oh, I can have, cool. yeah. you know, yeah. I can have one, someone else can have one. And like, I'm happy with that because it's, it's like there's certain things that just should not go into production <laughs> and that's that's okay uh but for me it's it's just like i want to keep exploring those options and like i just want to like yeah push the boundaries of like what can i do what can i put together mm-hmm. and like it's it's what i'm realizing is it's very fun for me to just do like like designing i think i've i i think of myself a lot more as a designer than I ever did where like, you know, you're in, in a sense, you are doing a product design yeah. and manufacturing. Like it goes back yeah. to my old engineering school, even though like at that time I was like designing a cell phone, like a flip phone. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember yeah. that I was like, you know, building High that in, yeah. in CAD. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I'm I'm just ready to hear the VB16 now. <laughs> 16, yeah, 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 24. Come on. Yeah. Um <laughs> I did just order some eight gang pots. <laughs> oh wow. yeah. Uh so that <laughs> I went away um, that was a thing, but um it it is. I got yeah, that some sounds good. Those must be huge. Well, they'll they'll still fit uh they should fit in a 1590 okay. BB2. Okay. Yeah. With a, yeah. Yeah. With it's a, deeper in it. Yeah. It's about like, I think it's like one point three inches tall, and the the circuit boards would be uh, horizontal. <laughs> so. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, and like, like I think for me too, it's like, you know, now being able to do the graphic design myself because that was another big hurdle for me that really didn't. I didn't overcome until this year was like, I felt, I always felt like I had to hire that out because I'm not a graphic designer or, you know, I always, Mm -hmm. I wanted to do something special with that, but like, really, I just needed to like sit down and learn the software. And then like, you know, I can, I can actually come up with something that I'm happy with. Um, And just the, the rate at which you can actually make something is somewhat, astounding like how quickly you can actually have an idea and then have it be made like Mm. into a physical product is is pretty wild you know you can design the the graphics have it laser etched like design the board in one day and have that sent out and have it four days later in your house like it's it's it's, uh, pretty wild uh Mm. what you can do and how quickly things can happen um yeah, so like different, even like it's exciting for me to now think about like even messing with stuff like surface mount technology, which is like a new, so it's obviously on the total opposite 
extreme of handmade point to point pedals but to me it's just it's another it's another design constraint and it's another it, there there are possibilities with that technology that you can't do with the other so it's like i want to utilize that in a way that you know it if say i'm trying to put eight of those circuits in a tiny thing it's like i could yeah. do that and that like that in its own thing feels very exciting to me versus yeah yeah doing it all with giant mil spec parts that <laughs> you know it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah you'd have to work out the logistics on cramming that into that space like i guess yeah yeah <laughs> so or, or even i've even thought about doing like a giant like a huge enclosure with a tiny circuit inside with like just <laughs> as you know what i mean it's like it doesn't have to make sense way too much yeah 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 it, it, I, have a, it, I have a few pedals like that yeah there's a pa- like, there's power in a massive enclosure as well there's something that's really yeah. satisfying about <laughs> it regardless of what's going on inside and you can't miss it i i like those when i'm like I know I can't think about how accurate I need to be with my stomping. <laughs> so I put the big rust on it. Big boy just, boots on, yeah. Just never miss. Yeah. Yeah. I need, I definitely need a lot of space between my pedals. I don't, I can't stand uh, two, two, two buttons on a, on like in 125B is too much or it's like too yeah. close. I'm pressing both. Yeah. Which is real. That honestly, that was a, the reason I started working on my distortion because I was using the uh, AT pedal or whatever, the JHS AT. I didn't like that. I had two buttons. I'm like, (laughs) I was going to buy the single version. I'm like, wait a minute. I build pedals. I'm just going to build. I I started working on that and, uh, you know, basically taking out all the parts. I don't, all the things Mm -hmm. I don't want again, really designing the circuit from, from taking things out, simplified yeah. the tone section, simplified some things and just like, yeah, I, I matched it essentially with what I was getting from uh, the second channel on my amp and just like AB'd them until I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. And yeah, and that was it. That's awesome. Sick. Yeah. I love that came from a, well, I really don't like that it has a second switch. Do you know what? I'm <laughs> yeah. going to redesign it. <laughs> it just yeah. escalates and escalates. <laughs> Yeah. So another another thing I've started we'll we'll probably start exploring is doing some PCB versions of like the tremolo and distortion yeah. as well because again it for me honestly at this point it's practice for me like it it'll be like the PCB thing it is new for me and it is like it's it's just a different world than I think like going through those steps I I will not probably make a whole bunch of them, but I probably will make enough of them because I've had actually quite a few people ask over the years of like, would you make a tremolo or like, you know? Yeah. So a lot of that's kind of thing in the future as well. Mm. Sick. And where, where's the best place for people to follow and keep up to date with this? Um, so uh, you can find me at oatsandmolasses.com. That is uh, the, the website uh, blog that has the uh, basically the history of everything that I've ever done in some ways. If you want to check that out, um, that has my email contact, which is honestly the best way to get a hold of me is through email. Um, I have uh, Instagram Otsimolasis001. Um, I think that's about it. 
Hell yeah. Perfect. Oh, that's great. Sweet. Um, this is a great place to wrap up, but thanks mm. so much for coming on and chatting to us about everything. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been super interesting. Yeah, thank you. Mm, really cool, yeah. Yeah.